My name is Brad Burford, and uh, I'm, I'm privileged to be a part of the worship band here at, at First Church. And uh, also, uh, I am the, uh, I'm one of the servant leaders. I'm the chairman of the Board of Servant Leaders, and uh, that as well is an honor. Today's scripture reading is from James 1, verses 19 to 25. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to be speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is God's word. Thank you, Brad. Good morning again. So today will be a little bit different. I've got some notes in front of me, and I typically am pretty strict about sticking to my notes and reading. And tonight, today is just kind of, you know, we got all sorts of different strategies and stuff, so some of them are just bullet points. So uh, get ready. Here we go. <laughs> Might be a new experience for some of y'all. <laughs> James chapter 1, 19 to 25, talked about not just hearing the word of God, but being a doer of the word of God. And he compared it to someone who looks into a mirror, sees himself, and then walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. On Easter, we talked out of Ephesians chapter two about how God has made us alive in Christ. That is who we are. When we look in the mirror, that is who we are to see. And not only are we made alive in Christ, but we're made alive in Christ in order to do good works which he has prepared for us in advance. That's what we're to see when we look into the mirror. But what happens if we look into the mirror and we walk away and forget who we are? That we are to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. And the whole idea of animating principles, mission, vision, and strategy is a way for us, a framework within that we can do the word of God. We can live it out. As we talked about last week, or the, two weeks ago, we talked about animating principles. Animating principles are all about our purpose for being. And we talked about the kingdom and our joy and the gospel. Let's go back to that last slide. The kingdom, our joy, and the gospel. These are our animating principles. The kingdom being God's redemptive rule and reign over his people. Are you in Christ this morning? Is anyone in Christ this morning? Then God is king, ruler, and reigning over your life today. And God's redemptive rule and reign is displayed in this world. It's manifest in this world through the church, through his people, through you and I. And it's manifest out how we live, what purpose we live for, the actions of our day, the words of our mouth, the lives that we live, the families that we keep and train and teach, 
The kingdom of God, God's redemptive rule is lived out and displayed in all of it. And that led to our second principle, which is our joy. That complete and lasting and fulfilling joy is found only in the kingdom of God and specifically with the king himself, Jesus. It is the joy that we have found in him that leads us to sell everything we have in order to get it. Remember the parable? The man who finds the field with the treasure and he goes away. It says in his joy he went away and so risked it all, laid it all on the line so that he could have that. He could have that joy. We are joy-seeking creatures. We are made for joy fulfilled and we look for it all over the place and we're pretty bad at finding lasting joy. And the Bible tells us that our joy is to be in Christ. Our joy is to be in his rule and reign in our lives. And finally, the gospel. The gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, that there is one creator God and all, of cre- all creatures are accountable to him. But man in his rebellion rebelled against that one creator God. But then the change, the, the, the turn in the story, but God, but God acted. God acted to restore humanity through the life the the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus being brought in to the family of God. This is the gospel. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. And we said that those animating principles are what stir us up within. These are the deeper things, the things that stir us up. We wanna live under the rule and reign of our king, seeking, fulfilling, lasting joy in Christ and being heralds of this good news gospel to the whole world. Last week, we talked about mission and vision. Our mission, in your booklets, as well on the screen, can we say this together? Building a kingdom fellowship of Christ-honoring disciples equipped to bring the gospel to life. Let's do that one more time. Building a kingdom fellowship of Christ-honoring disciples equipped to bring the gospel to life. And what's our shorthand? How do we cut to the chase? How do we get right to the heart of it? Bringing the gospel to life. That's what we wanna be all about. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to tirelessly and relentlessly work and commit to see it become a reality in us, in those around us, and in our community. That the gospel of Jesus Christ brought to life through us and through the words that we speak and the gospel that we preach. If you don't know where you are going, you'll end up somewhere else, right? We wanna know where we're going, and that's why we say we have a mission, and we wanna stay on mission. And then we talked about our vision, FACES, F-A-C-E-S, formation, advancement, culture, expansion, and service. We wanna dream, we wanna think, we wanna plan and evaluate based upon our vision, which our vision is trying to capture the essence of our mission and put it even more practically. How are we going to do this? How are we gonna categorize? How are we gonna think along these lines? How are we going to plan? How are we going to evaluate whether we're on mission or not? Well, we're going to do it in these five categories. And to be honest, I'm excited about it. I get it. I've been sitting on this for a little while, so I've been thinking about it and getting excited about it. But this is who we're becoming as a fellowship. And the problem is, if, if you're like, oh, I don't like any of this, 
you're probably not gonna like it around here then. Because <laughs> this is what we're gonna be talking about, working for, declaring, preaching over and over again, calling to action, soliciting, telling you guys, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's be about this. We are aiming to better grasp, declare, embody, plant, and model the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our aim. And I'll stand before you with the words of Paul in my mouth from 1 Corinthians chapter two. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power alone. That's what we wanna be about. We wanna be about the gospel. No other message to proclaim. No other side trip to go down. We don't need philosophy or the inspiration of the world. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? And the gospel has implications in all parts of our lives. Beginning to end, it's the gospel of Jesus. It's why we are structuring even our service the way that we have begun to structure our service, for maximum gospel proclamation. By the time I even get up here to preach, our aim is that you've already had experiences with the gospel message through the songs, through the responsive reading that we've done, right? In the, the content of the in-betweens as we're transitioning through you know, confession and communion, we're experiencing the gospel. We're acting out, we're playing out the gospel over and over again on Sunday mornings. That's what we wanna be about. Because number one, we're about formation and we wanna grasp the gospel, we wanna get it and drive it deep into our hearts, past the superficial, past just even an acronym on a screen, deep into our hearts, that the gospel would transform us, that it would go out from our heart to every part of our life. Because we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power to save. Not one of the powers to save, is the power to save. And therefore, the gospel is not just a diving board that you or I, you know, we line up on that diving board, we get ready, and we leap into the pool of Christianity, and then we move on to deeper things. We jump in to the waters of Christianity, and then we go to the deep end, to much more, you know, highfalutin, uh, philosophical ideas. No, we never move beyond the gospel. The gospel only grows wider and deeper within our hearts. It finds more expression, more embodiment in the way that we live out our lives. The gospel is the whole gosh darn thing. That's it. And you and I need to grow in the gospel. I'll stand up here in, in, in my years of service in the ministry and declare I need to grow in the gospel. I need that. And you need that too. You need to grow in the gospel so that you can witness the effects of the gospel in the areas of your life. You need that. Especially if one of our animating principles 
is our joy. Because joy comes through the gospel. And the gospel's power to transform you and I's life. We want to become gospel maniacs. All about the gospel. We want to preach it to ourselves when we wake up in the morning and preach it to our neighbors in the afternoon and preach it to our fellow brothers and sisters in the evening and do it all over again tomorrow morning because we need it and we forget it often. But now I want to move to our strategy. What are we going to begin to do? What are our boots on the ground? What are we going to accomplish in this structure of principles, mission, vision. And I believe that our strategy begins with our identity. Our strategy begins with how we are known and how we are known and what it communicates both to us along the lines of our mission and vision and how we are known in the community around us and to those who are searching for Christ and looking to the people of God to display it. And so I I believe that our strategy begins with village, a Christian fellowship. I believe that a new name that connects us to our mission and to our community in which the Lord has planted us so many decades ago is time. Village, you can look here on the graphic, it's also in your book, I believe, on the last page of the insert. You can look and see that the V in village, which you've seen throughout this vision trilogy, is an icon of sorts with an arrow that is pointing out away from this large, thick uh, block in the V. And we want to move from the kingdom of God, out from the kingdom of God, and all that he's doing in his reign, we stand on that and we go out to bring the gospel to life. And we believe that the kingdom of God is the indestructible, unshakable, immovable reality behind everything. There is nothing more true than the reality of the kingdom of God. People deny it day after day in the way that they live, but there is nothing more true than the kingdom of God. And it stands behind everything. And we say we see it. We lock eyes with it. We want to live in that reality and from that reality and bring the gospel to life. Village connects with an important theme in our community. Village connects with communities all around us. I had the opportunity to go with my sister Gloria yesterday to a community engagement at the library. And at that library, there were government officials like Eric Guerra, who's the uh, councilman for the city, for this area, along with others from the, the county, uh, just lots of, of people who were there available to a- uh, answer questions and give kind of a plan for what's, what's coming for the community around the church here. And while we were there, there was a, a, a lady who was trying to figure out who she's supposed to call for some sort of information. How does she get someone to hear her? <laughs> and Eric, Eric Garris said, you know what? Just call my office every time. I'll direct you to where you need to go. And then he said something right after that. He said, because we all live in the same village. And me and Gloria caught eyes at that moment and smiled a little bit, knowing that today we'd be talking about village. We all live in the same village. It's in the fabric of this community already. 
A village is a small community within a much larger kingdom. And this reminds us over and over again of the global nature of the kingdom of God and our part within it. From our animating principles and our mission and vision to our strategies with a fresh identity that says we connect with the kingdom of God and with the people, the place where God has planted this gospel outpost. And we are unabashedly, unashamed, a Christian fellowship. You want to know the word of God? You come here. You want to be trained and taught? You want to be led to the Lord and led with the Lord? Come here. You will find the gospel preached here. From that, we can look now at how does a church under its vision uh, accomplish each one of those, those words that we put out there, formation, advancement, culture, expansion, and service. And so I'm gonna begin with formation, which is all about grasping the gospel. Formation begins right here on Sunday morning. Formation begins on Sunday morning, and it begins with this. It begins with our commitment to expositional teaching and preaching. And expositional te- teaching and preaching simply means that we go to the, we go to the word of God which we're gonna begin to do next week in our Matthew series. We go to the word of God and the point of the scripture, the point of the passage is the point of the message. We don't take the scripture and read a passage and then go, yeah, and this kind of relates over here to this philosophical idea or this super inspiring idea over here. We go to the scripture and the point of the scripture is the point of the message and it's the point that we're to receive from the word of God. That's what expositional preaching is. And we're gonna do that in a kind of uh, serial expositional teaching where we move through books of the Bible at times. There'll be breaks where we do topical sermons. There'll be times where we go through short little books like Jonah this, uh, after the summer. But we're going to move methodically through. Because one of the other things is when, when uh, unfortunately, when preachers, we're like humans and, and we have our pets, right? I have a couple dogs. <laughs> I think we're humans, right? <laughs> uh, I, I have a couple dogs. I got my pets and I love my pets better than your pets. Sorry. Um, well, we all have our pets and we all have our pet scriptures too. And we all have our pet themes and we wanna keep going back to those pet themes. And the problem is the Bible is the counsel of the word of God and the counsel of the word of God has something to say to us. And sometimes secret preachers avoid certain scriptures because they're hard to teach. And that means whole congregations never hear about the things that are in the word of God because preachers maybe we won't go there. Maybe we'll only do this half of the book. Maybe we'll do these couple of verses and skip that one. Is the Bible the the whole counsel of the word of God? Is it useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and encouraging so that you can be built up to become mature? Yes. Expositional preaching, that's where it begins, formation. Here on Sunday morning with the type of preaching that we wanna aim for on a week in and week out basis. It also begins in our kids' ministry. We have awesome volunteers in our kids' ministry who week in and week out give of their time and their energy to love and care and create a gospel environment for our kids and then to teach and train them in the word. And we have this curriculum that we use called the Gospel Project. And the Gospel Project is a commitment to work through the Bible 
as the kids age over and over and over again. I think by the time they get all the way through our kids' ministry, they'll have gone through the Bible three times in its entirety. And that means the kids will know the word. And while the scripture is, while the, the, the curriculum is definitely tailored for the age group, it, uh, it doesn't skip around. It moves through and it gives an age-appropriate understanding and explanation of the scripture that they're in. Doesn't make it always easy for our teachers. I'm sure there's times they're looking at that going, uh, <laughs> supposed to teach on that passage? When David did what? <laughs> How am I gonna explain that? We believe that the word of God is useful for teaching and training. And if we began at, at the kids' level, imagine what kind of, uh, of believers, mature believers we will have. Look around this room at these kids that we have in here. I once heard a pastor say there are two, two symptoms of a healthy church. The sound of kids in your sanctuary and the sound of men singing. We'll talk about that later. But <laughs> The sound of kids, and we, I love the sound of kids in our sanctuary and the sound of the men when they're singing. It begins here on Sunday morning, but it doesn't stop there. Through the gathering, we will also focus on our individual engagement with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beyond, uh, in typical church, you guys may not know this, you may know this, it seems kind of obvious. The typical metrics for success within a church or in a congregation are two things. Can you guess what they are? Attendance, right? Number of people, and how much money came in in the offering. And almost every church that I've ever been a part of or known from the inside, they, they keep track of those religiously. We know how many people were there and we know how much was given. And while those can tell you something, they don't give you a complete picture, not at all. And what I want us to lean into as a congregation, as a fellowship, is metrics, or metrics of grace to see the work of God within people's lives. And part of that, those metrics of grace, is what we're calling the blueprint, the blueprint, and I think there's a slide specifically for the blueprint. The blueprint is um, just a pathway, a pathway that I want each one of us in our congregation to walk. And the pathway begins, if you can't see from the back, I'll explain it. It says, tell me more about Jesus. That's where it begins, right? The gospel of Jesus begins with Jesus himself. Tell me more about Jesus. I want to know. And once someone's been told and they move from death to life and they're born again into the family of God, well, what comes next? I wanna be baptized. I wanna follow Christ in obedience and be baptized as he told me to. Well, then what? Well, tell me about small groups because my faith does not grow in isolation, people. My faith does not grow with me sitting under a lamp all by myself. It grows in community. I'll tell you, when I first came here five years ago, I probably half believed that I could grow it in isolation. But after five years of sitting with men in a room on Monday nights, I can tell you my faith has outgrown anything I could do on my own. Your faith grows in community. Your understanding and grasp of the gospel grows in community. And so after baptism, let's get you into a small group where you can study the word of God and talk about it. And then after that, maybe you wanna go deeper. Maybe you have personal things that a small group just isn't suited to, to handle. Well, that's where one-by-ones would come in. Hey, it's time for me to sign up with a one-by-one -one mentor. And this is just a meeting ever so often where you can get together with another brother or sister and they can help you follow Christ. They can speak into your life. You guys can open the word. They can know things about your life and they can pray for you. One-by-one -one mentors be available to anyone who wants. And the truth is, the call of the gospel from Matthew 28 
is not to a select few. It's not to professionals. If I had the caller on, like Lanny was joking earlier, you know, if I had the, call, the, the professional caller, oh, he's the disciple guy. The call is to all Christians. That means every one of you is to be helping another person follow Jesus. One, two, three, whatever you can handle, but it's part of the call that Christ has given. And we can help facilitate that and help connect you with someone who's eager to, to lead, but maybe he doesn't have a connection with you, and you're eager to be led or to, to follow in Christ and let them lay out to you, hey, what, what, what areas of my life can, can I submit more fully to Christ? Well, we can, we can be that hub that connects those who want that with those who are willing to give it. And next is, I'd like to serve. Show me where I can serve in the church. I wanna serve. And then after that, what is village partnership? And I'll tell you a little bit about village partnership. It's not ready to roll out, but we'll roll it out at the end of the year. Village partnership is for those who say, I'm committed here. Now, some of you go, well, I've been committed. I've been here 50 years. <laughs> what kind of commitment is that? That's pretty, pretty strong, right? Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. We want to bring that together so that we're all talking the same language, we're all understanding one another, and we're all in the loop on where this church is going together. Village partnership is a commitment from, from each one of us to say, hey, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to continue to serve, I'm gonna continue to give, I'm gonna continue to commit myself to this church, and I want to know, I want to be a part of the moving of this fellowship forward. And it'll be open to anyone who says, I'd like to partner, I'd like to be a partner with the church in giving, in prayer, as well as in faith, and in, in working out uh, working out your faith with the community together. Uh, a lot more details on that one, but that one will come up again because it also allows us a funnel where we can take individuals and bring them together in classes and courses to get us all on the same page with things, such as, how do I share my faith effectively? That's formation, my friends. And that's where we begin. But we have to move on because there's only so much time in a day. <laughs> Let's move on to advancement. Advancement is in two categories we talked about, evangelism and missions. This one gets me super excited. I, I love the idea of taking the gospel out. It begins with gospel preaching as we've talked about here on Sunday morning so that we can grasp the gospel, but then it moves to declaring the gospel. Evangelism is about declaring the gospel it also means that we're going to launch a Share Your Faith class as a part of the Village Partnership in the fall. If you want to learn how to better share your faith, if that makes you super nervous, like it, it has almost always made me nervous, what do I say? How do I do it? What is the gospel? What's, a, what, what's some way that I can start that conversation? How do I even get there? We're going to have a class that we can learn together in community how to share our faith and even practice so that all of us will be equipped to go out and share our faith to the community, to the people around us, to our friends, and to our family. That's evangelism within the church, but then there's missions. And missions, if you remember, is declaring the gospel across cultural lines. We are setting out a goal for our congregation that we would have a mission partner on every single inhabited continent in the world. And you might think, well, wait a sec, that includes Europe? Doesn't Europe already have the gospel? You'd be surprised, actually. England, for instance, is now less than half 
claiming to be Christian. And of those, it's in the single digits that regularly attend church, regularly are in the community. People are realizing that England and Europe are in a post-Christian status and they need the gospel again. People need to take the gospel even to Europe. So maybe you can plan a vacation in Paris and bring the gospel with you, right? Amen. But it's not, not just Europe, it's also places like Africa. Africa has, abounds in orphans, orphans that are there as a result of disease, who've killed off their parents, or war, war-torn uh, countries, or simply abandonment. And they have no one to care for and no one to preach the gospel or bring the gospel to, except for us who can look over and say, we want to be about this. We want to, I, I recently had a talk with an organization called Horizons International. And Horizons International has one of his representatives, is Pastor Don Bergstrom. I don't know if any of you guys know Don Bergstrom. But Don Bergstrom was pastor over in San Jose when I was a kid. Don Bergstrom baptized me, and he's one of the representatives of Horizon International, along with a gentleman named Bob Pearson. And Bob Pearson and he have, Bob Pearson founded this organization, Horizon International, that really is about uh, getting orphans the care and need that they need and getting the gospel to them, as well as planting churches in the community and having local pastors and ministry leaders do the ministry, not people who go over and do it for them, but training and teaching and raising them up so that they can minister and be ministers of the gospel where they're at. And Don said that there are, there are six reasons he gave me why we need to partner with Horizons. He said, number one, it's church-based. So local African churches and so many of those orphans come to know Jesus through the ministry of that church. It's African ministries that are led by Africans. It's, there's financial integrity in the organization. They are very transparent and they have all of that online and they got a very high rating. Um, Bob Pearson is a Church of God guy, so if that uh, ticks a box there, box, there you go. Um, and when you sponsor an African, this is what I love, when you sponsor an African orphan, you'll have the opportunity to go and visit that child. You'll have the opportunity over the years to go to the place and not just visit someone like that child, but visit the child that you've been writing to and exchanging and getting to know over the years. And once a child ages out of their program, then there are Horizon scholarships that are available so that they can go off to trade schools and universities. And so it's a holistic program, not just 18 and get on your way, the supports run out. But how do we equip you to become an earner and bring some of that back in, having received the gospel and received leadership training and been plugged into a church? Again, that's not all. There's also another opportunity that we have called Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child is a ministry that sends the gospel to the far reaches of the world, and they do it through shoeboxes. Shoeboxes packed with items of care that are also combined with gospel materials that locals on the ground who are trained take those gospel materials and get the kids together and work through the gospel to teach and train them. My personal goal is that by mid-November when they do the shipment, that we as a congregation would have packed 200 boxes. And all the box takes is for you to take one of the, the cardboard boxes with you 
and go and fill it with the items that are listed out on the sheet. And then when you bring it back, bring $10 with each box. The $10 goes to the gospel materials that are gonna be included and helps to get that shipped over to the place. And so you can do a boy, you can do a girl. And we're launching that actually today. So when we head out to our block party, there's a tent out there with the boxes all ready. And I'd love for us to get started on that goal of 200 by the time November rolls around. So we can send the gospel to all corners of the world through these programs. The last and final thing that I'll say today, and then we'll save the last two for a later date because there are things that we can still expound on them. The last one is culture. Culture is about embodying the gospel. And our culture, our our strategy for culture begins with something called the 3002 Initiative. The 3002 Initiative is a census block that the government has determined from 14th Avenue to 21st, Stockton Boulevard to 65th. Can we put that map up there? It is a census block that encompasses the area in which our church is located. We're basically near the middle there. And the 3002 initiative says, hey, could we as a congregation dream really big and believe that we could take ownership of this census block, that we could begin to walk the streets and pray for this place, that we can begin to serve our community around our church, that the reputation that our community has for this church and this location could begin to shift from either negative or nothing to positive gospel-centered, hey, they love and they serve and they care about us. Could we begin to dream about going out and caring for this neighborhood on things like village care days, where we serve the community with projects, where we go out and we cut lawns, we bag up leaves, we do small projects around their house to help them out, we haul trash and we do dump runs, Could we do neighborhood beautification, a free car wash in our parking lot? Maybe some of our guys would be willing to offer free oil changes. If they bring the the supplies, you'll do the oil change here in the parking lot. Could we have some times of food trucks and free concerts in the park for our community to come together? Or maybe a movie that's projected on a blow-up screen here in our parking lot with some popcorn and a chance for us all to hang out and spend time loving on one another. These are just some ideas of what our village care days could be here in the 3002. In addition to those, though, church partnerships, connecting with the other three other churches that are located within the 3002, and forming partnerships so that we can also band together and pool our resources to bless this community. That's all a part of how we embody the gospel to those around us. In addition to that, there's a thing on May 20th that you can mark your calendars for. You'll hear more about it. But May 20th, there's a thing called Mulch in May. Mulch in May. And down on 21st, they've asked for anyone in the community who can come out and help them mulch the trees along the 21st Greenbelt because they didn't get mulch last year and apparently that affected their ability to stand up straight when wind came. And now, I don't know how that works, but (laughs) that's what they said. But they're looking for, could, could there be a groups of people who would volunteer to come out on the 20th to help, uh, to help uh, in, uh, in the green belt to, with that project? Maybe we could show up in force in our community, wearing some t-shirts and say we're here to care for our community. Alternatives Pregnancy Center is another option, another way that we are going to embody the culture 
or embody the gospel to our culture. And Alternatives Pregnancy Center is for women who are at risk and who most likely will opt to have an abortion due to financial issues or lack of support or health care. Alternatives Pregnancy Center steps in with free prenatal care, free health care through that process of pregnancy. And not just the health care, but someone who can walk with you through that process. Someone who's there and who has the, the spirit of the gospel all on them so that they're there to love you through that process. I'm meeting with them in just a few weeks and we're gonna determine their needs and how we can best, uh, best meet those needs through our congregation in partnership with Alternatives as a part of our mission and our vision to affect the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, under culture, I will leave you with this. Love in a bag. Love in a bag is a, um, an opportunity for us to meet what the politicians at the library said is the number one issue in our community. They said 85 to 90% of all calls that they get and all solicitations for help they get is this one issue. You guys guess what it is? It's homelessness. Homelessness. And there's been kind of a patchwork of help. There's been a patchwork of, uh, there's some mental care, care over here and there's some housing over here and some food over here and it's not all ever been brought together in one place. We're not in a position in our neighborhood or where we're at to do anything on sites that would be substantial as far as my estimation is unless someone has ideas that would break beyond that. But we can do something small, and this can be our beginnings, our seeds that we sow at the beginning, and that's this idea of love in a bag. Today, we're launching that. That's also in a tent out in the, the block party, and what it is is you can go out there, and you can stop by and pack a bag with some basic hygiene uh, needs, meet some essential basic hygiene needs by putting them in a bag, some snacks, some waters. And what I want is for all of us to take at least one or two of those bags and drop them in our car and then leave. And as we're leaving, pray in our heart, Lord, lead me to someone and go and take that bag that meets that need to someone who is homeless as you're driving home or as you head down to Stockton Boulevard, find someone. But don't just give them the bag. Don't roll down the window and hand it out. I challenge you to take a moment to use the bag as a tool to break the ice. Hey, can I give this to you? I wanna help. What's your name? And see if there's not a story behind the name and the face, something that you can break through and begin to connect. I'll tell you this, it'll be, it, it could mean a whole lot to them. I have, I, I, I am so grateful for the opportunities I've had here on this property in the last five, six years. I would have never planned it or organized it, but the amount of homeless people who come onto our property looking for something, whether it's help or just a place to lay their heads, and to get to know their names, to sit down with them on the brick out front or under the portico, and to get down to their level and just take a few minutes out of my day it's changed me, not just them, it changed me. It helped me to see people in their need and not tower over them as I dispense a bag out the window or throw some money there. Let's pack these bags with love and the gospel and then let's take them out to the street, look people in the eye, ask them their name, humanize them 
and show them the love of Christ. The, the, the idea of culture within our vision is all about us embodying the gospel. We, we also are responsible to preach the gospel. That's in words. But culture is about embodying it through the way that we act and conduct ourselves in community. And we're trying to give us all tools that we can do. And for you parents, we're trying to give you tools that you can train your children to think in terms of other people and their needs and what, what would serve them. And so that's a little taste of the strategy that we're going to roll out. It's just a beginning, but we believe for good things and big things in the name of Jesus Christ here. And we wanna be all about bringing the gospel to life here in us and in the community and the world around us, amen? Father, thank you so much for this day and thank you for all that you have given us. You have richly blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. And I pray that we would do that today completely and totally. In Jesus' name, amen.